Welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. And with us today, for the first time, although I have begged and begged and begged him to be on here, is Brandon Lazarus. Welcome, Hello. Brandon. Brandon needs to learn to talk louder, according to the little squiggly lines on my, on my screen. So say that again. Hello. Brandon, who are you? I am Brandon Lazarus, and I am the pastor at Morningstar in Canton, up in the Dutch Cove community. Right down the street from where we usually record the, these things, but I am actually, well, we are actually in Crusoe at Crusoe United Methodist Church, which, as you probably know, is one of Peter's places, churches, charges? Uh, it is part of the Crusoe, the Long's Crusoe Charge. It is one of the churches that I serve. We have a 9.30 worship service on Sunday mornings. And as you also may know, it's sort of the epicenter of the recent flooding here in western North Carolina. And uh, that is partially the, the topic that we want to talk about today on the podcast. But as always, we start off with scripture. And, um, and I'm glad to have Court and Brandon here with me today. And we're going to uh, we're going to share with you a little bit of the work we've been doing, but first I want us to center ourselves with this passage from James. Uh, Court, if you would. James 2, 1 through, I guess it goes all the way through to 17. It's got some parentheses. Let me see. Yeah, it does go all the way through. So, James 2, 1 through 17. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? Or if a person with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a person with dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith? and to be heirs in the, of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality and you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but if you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. That is the reading, and it feels like I just read three readings. There's a lot there, for sure. And uh, when, you, when you asked us what passage we might read today, you, talked, you summarized this by talking about showing favoritism. So I think we should start there. Well, in fairness, I didn't summarize it, the heading at the top. 
summarized it, and I was too lazy to read it for myself. Some Bible scholar summarized it. Those or words, in case it, or whatever. In case you uh, didn't know, those 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 bold summary notes in your Bible were not originally there. Nor those, were the footnotes. Just going to throw that out there. Nor or the punctuation. Yeah. Nor the, or verse, the chapters, chapter yeah. or verse numbers. Yeah. So in, the best way to read scripture, if you want to try to like, well, I don't want to say best, but if you would like to read scripture in a way that is uh, somewhat similar to perhaps the way it was originally read, you should read it out loud and you should read, for instance, the letter of James in its entirety, front to back. Uh, and preferably with other people. That's how those uh, letters were originally shared. And, uh, in Greek. In, oh, yeah, yeah. And in Greek. Well, Someone else reading it to you in Greek. Okay. But anyway, I think favoritism is a good place to start. If, as I remember, it started off with uh, James prodding his congregation, the, the, the group that he's writing to, and asking them about whether they're showing favoritism to those who are wealthy and well-dressed as opposed to those who, who come in with dirty clothes or who don't have any money. Um, and I think that this is really an important um, conversation for us to be in as well at this time as we're trying to respond to critical needs in our community here uh, in the flooding, it, it, following the flooding, because uh, it seems to me that folks who are, who are wealthy or who are better off um, maybe have more connections, are able to ask for help faster. Mm -hmm. They, they kind of know where to go to look for help. And if we just wait for folks to come to us, maybe that's going to cause us to have bias or favoritism that we didn't even acknowledge. And the other thing is, what, how are we responding to those who come into places where we are offering uh, you know, supplies and things like that. Do, do we have any sense of judgment or we, do we have those questions in mind about, well, do they deserve this or not? That kind of thing. What have you all seen either our pitfalls or dangers or have, have, how have you seen this play out in our context? Well, one thing that I've seen is what many, well, what James seems to call favoritism, many of us would simply call connections. Hmm. And where is the line between just being in the know of how to make things happen and involving yourself either as being one of the favorites or having favorites? Then there's the flip side of the coin where we often will try to say, well, we have these items that are only for people in need. For instance, Brandon and I had a conversation, and I think we agree on this, but we had a conversation about our little supply drop off in Clyde and the question arose, well, how do we know that it's actually people that need it that are coming and getting it as opposed to people that are just helping themselves. And our conclusion was that it's not our concern really, mm -hmm. but that's like the opposite reaction to favoritism. Do we favor the poor and should we, or shouldn't we? Mm. So, Hey, uh, let's, let me ask a little bit of a lighter question. I'm going to ask Brandon because I haven't asked him anything today. And that is, do you have any favorites at your churches? Or your church? 
<laughs> a lighter question? Yeah, I mean, I mean if, we're being honest, if we're being honest, we all do, right? We do. Go yeah. on like, the record. I, I'm not going to name any names, but Peter said the same thing about some people. It's like, I, I really don't like doing this visit because, you know, these people are, are mean or these people, you know, don't like to... Um, have me come and then every got... time I open my mouth I know they're going to use it against me later <laughs> yeah and then there's some people where you know it's 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 a delight to visit if we're you know being entirely honest um, and I think the, the question today is not like you know do we enjoy some people's company more than others but rather you know are we showing favoritism in because also when you look at the favoritism as he's talking about it it's you know, helping those that you're got some ulterior motive, right? Yeah. So this is this is going to those visitors who you know are the biggest givers of the church because you hope if you can stay on their good side, then they're going to stay at the church or maybe give you more. Or if there's instances like the flooding that we know, oh, we can go to them and they'll write us a big check. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's more of what it's talking about is not just necessarily showing favoritism because you enjoy somebody more than others because this specifically speaks of someone coming in that you don't even know but they're well-dressed and they've got rings. And so it's more about pursuing relationships as a commodity rather than actually caring about the relationship, which, which we are running into a little bit right now because we, are, we do need money for the work that we're doing. And yes. there are some of these relationships that we are pursuing solely because we want the funds. Um, and it's something that we have to, to look at because we've already talked about it, that we don't want to take money if there's too many strings attached. And there's the ones that you pursue, and then there's also the ones that you maybe don't pursue as hard. Like someone might be leaving, and normally you would, you would or maybe not with leaving, but withdrawing, and normally you would chase them down and say, oh, we want you involved. But maybe they become less of a priority hmm. because there's things you can focus on over here. And we have to make these judgment calls all the time. And yes, we do all have favorites. Uh, my my standard operating procedure is to not allow myself to name favorites until after I leave a place, and then there's this fun game of okay, the, my entire time there, hmm. who was my favorite? Wow, and I don't tell anyone. Well, okay, so then that that leads me to another question: Should we have favorites? No. Does God have favorites? Yeah, me. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Well. You know, this is this brings up a, a debate in Christianity, and and we we I, I have said from the pulpit that uh, we are not special. You know, we we are special in God's eyes, but everyone is special in God's eyes. God loves everyone, and yet um, our brothers and sisters in Latin America have given us a, a way of reading Scripture called liberation theology, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the key phrases there that comes to us is that God has a preferential option for the poor. Do, do either of you uh, want to say anything about that or what that means in your understanding? Well, it's, it's in our reading today. I mean, not word for word, but uh, that attitude is in what we read. Well, verse 6, it says, But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? If not, is it not they who drag you into court? I, I guess I have understood preferential option for the poor to mean that if we... You know, God is a is a is a mystery, and it, it is impossible for any human to understand God. But in the person of Jesus Christ, we 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 un, we can understand a something of the character of God. And in Jesus' life and ministry, where did he go? Who did he spend time with? Where could he be found? It was amongst the poor. He didn't spend a lot of time in the temple. He didn't spend a lot of time with the Sadducees with their money and 
and in government and he only really spoke to the leaders and the wealthy people when he was incarcerated um, and about to be killed. Most of his time he spent out in Galilee, in Samaria, in poor areas, talking with people, walking with people who were hungry, who were poor, um, and who, who were in need of help. So that seems to be the son putting the father's character on display in, in action. But verse 5 gives, us to us, gives it to us in words. Uh, James 2, 5, Listen, my, bro- my beloved brothers and sisters, has God... Or has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs in the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Mm. So I guess rich people can love God, yeah. but they don't necessarily get to be heirs in the kingdom? Well, I don't, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, obviously we've heard Jesus say it's, it's more difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. Uh, that's not saying it's impossible. We know that all things are possible with God. Uh, but I, it, I have seen this in my life, and it, especially in times like these, in times of, of destruction and chaos, that those who have the, the least and those who are, uh, are hurt the most still feel this presence and this power of God and the love of God and, uh, and testify about it powerfully. And it's usually more wealthy or more comfortable people who, at the first sign of adversity or destruction in their community, they throw up their hands and they say, well, where is God now? Yeah. You know, but uh, when we turn to those who are poor, those who are destitute, that we find strong faith oftentimes. And that's a mystery. Well, flood story. Uh, one of our church members... I guess she won't be for long. I'm sure where she's gone now, so she'll join a church. But, um, but a person I know, uh, she lost everything. Mm. Her dog, and her, and the soaking wet, muddy clothes on her back is all she has. Like her wow. trailer's just gone. Everything's gone. Um, and now she's been been relocated. But all I get in messages from her, and they've come more than ever before, is how thankful she is to God. Mm. Because I think life tends to be valued more when we've come so close to losing it. Mm-hmm. And stuff matters less when we now no longer have it and realize that life went on mm-hmm. and that people still loved us and that we don't have to surround ourselves with, with things in order to be valued. Mm-hmm. That's not a lesson that you want to have to have a flood to learn so hopefully our listeners can take some value from it and not have to get flooded out of everything they own. And also, they probably can't hear me anyway because I'm behind the mic. Brandon, would you share with us, since you're in front of the mic, um, your, some of, maybe uh, some of your experience with responding to the flood and, and yeah. to you know, how we're trying to guide our efforts in, in reaching out to the community and responding and... and, and you know, do you see that we have, do we run a risk of, of showing favoritism and how are we trying to correct for that? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, again, it depends on what we're calling favoritism. Um, but just one quick story that kind of is in the vein of what Cor said that Peter and I had gone out the Friday after the storm and we went to one area that was particularly hard hit and there was a woman there 
um, standing in front of her, the foundation of her home, because her home had been picked up and taken into the cornfields. Um, and we she still said, haven't seen her house. Yeah. I, I haven't gone back to look for her. I guess it's there in some cornfield. And so she had gone back to her house to try to find anything. Um, and she said, I, I've got something I want to show you. And then she goes in and she, she found two things when she was over there. One, which was a picture from when she was a little girl of her family. Um, and it was a little bit warped, but other than that, it was still in good shape. And then she pulled out this like porcelain um, bell that had an angel on it that was completely unharmed. Hmm. Um, and so she was just saying like, hey, you know, that, that kind of told me all I needed to know. I, I walked over there and I found this picture and I found this bell that my sister had given me. Um, and, you know, it was, there were no scratches or cracks that you could see. The bell still worked. Um, and now, do I think that God protected that bell as a sign? Or, that, that's not exactly what I think happened, but it's, it's able, we're able to see those signs and she's able to see that and get that comfort. Um, and yeah, I mean, of course she's still sad. Of course it was still hard to lose all of that, um, but to kind of be able to, to hold on to that as a foundation. Um, but yeah, as we're doing this work, and from the very beginning, one of our questions was, how are we gonna spend these funds? Um, because from day one, we already had almost $40,000 that was allotted. Now, in the grand scheme of things, with over $300 million worth of damage, mm-hmm. $50,000 does not seem like a lot of money. But for us to get so quickly is a lot of money. We wanted to make sure that we weren't just wasting it, that we were being good stewards of our money. Um, and, you know, making sure that we're not just like paying for something that someone's going to get reimbursed for their insurance. Um, but we wanted to make sure that we were finding those people that were going to fall between the cracks. Um, and in that sense, are we playing favorites? Maybe, um, but I'm not losing any sleep over it because yeah. um, I don't think that's the kind of favoritism that Me James either. is speaking of here. Yeah. Um, I think James is actually warning us against the opposite and saying we should be focused on those who are poor. Because if two people walk in and one's nicely dressed and in gold rings and someone comes in and they're in raggedy clothes, I think we should play favorites with the person who has the raggedy clothes. Not that we say that the person isn't welcome with their gold rings and their yeah. nice clothes. We still welcome them. We still have them be a part of our community. But James um, never says not to do. Right, right. But we need to to figure this person who is in these raggedy clothes, first of all, as Peter has stressed with us, you know, listen to the story. Mm-hmm. Be, be willing to engage with the person. Learn their story. Um, and then learn, are there needs that this person has that we can help to, to come alongside them, whether it's food, whether it's housing. Um, and so that kind of preferential option for the poor that was mentioned, I think you call it favoritism if you want to. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's exactly the work that we're called to do. So I'm going to put on my uh, reach back in time and put on my children's pastor hat. I think your bell story is a very good object lesson for verse 5 which is talking about God's preference for the poor. Has not God chosen them to be heirs of the kingdom, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think the reason that stood out to her, probably, is probably a lot of sentimental value, yeah, but what needs to be protected? Hmm. It's the vulnerable things. Yeah. It's the things, and she probably babied that thing in non-flood times. And then it goes through this whole flood, and, and, and the amazing thing about it is that it comes through unscathed. There's a reason that God cares for those who are most vulnerable. Hmm. Sadly, the reason may be that we don't. 
yeah, and right. that needs to be addressed. But I think it's it's wrong of us to say, well, it's first of all, it's it's wrong from a Bible reading perspective to say, well, God doesn't play favorites. But and I don't like to think God as a favoritist, but God has a preference. God has a chosen James people. Just comes yeah. out and says it. Tell that to the Israelites. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> but but it's also wrong for us to put God in the position where God has to offer protection because we're not. Mm. As followers of God, why do we do that? Mm. And I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, we, we, well, so yeah, I think uh, from the pulpit, it's a responsibility of us as pastors to try to cultivate the way of seeing the world that we believe that scripture tells us to see the world not to exclude those with wealth but to to try to train our congregation's eyes to see the world as god does and to see that there is a there is a necessity to prioritize the needs of those who are destitute over against our own needs and uh, in, a, in a time of uh, um, destruction like this is a, is a perfect opportunity to see a lot of those, um, those, those differences in, in between rich and poor, between well-dressed and, um, and not, between connected those who are clean and, and dirty. Con yes, connected and marginalized to, you know, somebody said that the, the opposite of... Um, this is getting into another topic, but that the that the opposite of um, addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is community. Mm -hmm. um, and if you all want to take that in a different direction, you're welcome to. But um, but yeah, we have to if we want to train our eyes to see with, with God's eyes, then we need to look uh, and, and, and prioritize those who um, who are being left out, who are falling through the cracks and that. As the Canton Missional Network, and, and we are we are trying to pull our our churches in that direction in response to this flood, just because we've seen that even without intention, a lot of these outside disaster relief groups have have allowed folks to fall through the cracks if they're renters and they can't sign a contract with them to clean up their house, if they're Spanish speakers and they don't have someone who's bilingual, if um, or if they're farmers and the damage is just so great that there's really nothing that they can do. These groups of people have fallen through the cracks and we're trying to pull our churches, I feel like, in a Christ-like direction towards those who are being left out. Um, I need to let you all finish this conversation because I have to go to therapy right now. Okay. and well, I, I am fairly sure that we are finished. So, for Pastor Potluck, I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. We've been joined by Brandon Lazarus and thank you for your time. Peace. We'll be back soon. We want to uh, keep this conversation going. There's so much more we have to share, but God bless you all.